Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. Good to be with you. Doug Thornton, host of American Vindictive. Together we are the Doug and Dave Intel Report. And uh, one of my good friends is a media connoisseur. Gave us the highest compliment. Thanks, Ian. Love you. Anyway, um, we have a really interesting show. Uh, we may have to do a multiple broadcast on this. There's so much to talk about. Doug used to say, there's something happening every 12 hours. Now it's about like every 12 minutes. Uh, before we start, though, I do a little business. You know my friend Bob Kudla, trade genius. Guy wins 66% of his trades documented couldn't say it ftc sec would come down on our heads he's kicking butt he has a training program where he teaches people to do it if you're somewhat familiar with the market you'll do it in two weeks if you're not maybe as long as three months no longer than that certainly and what he does is he teaches you how to make a second income winning 66 percent of your trades on average the average return on investments over 100 percent. what yeah yeah it's all documented people DaveLovesTrading.com is where you can sign up, get trained, and it's the best second income out there. I'm telling you, it is a fantastic opportunity. DaveLovesTrading.com. And I'm really proud to do this because I feel like we're helping our audience. This isn't for everybody, but I will tell you this. It's for some people that want to put their nose to the grindstone, grind it out, have a second income, and not have to go to work in a box store. It's a great deal. DaveLovesTrading.com. Well, Doug, we got a number of things to go through. So uh, for us mere mortals here that are just trying to keep up with these uh, end times events, Art Bell used to call this the quickening. And man, are we ever living the quickening. There's no question about that. Art's term was fantastic. Anyway, tell me what's at the top of your list. I got a couple of myself, but I think we're going to be heavily focused on Doug Thornton. Go ahead, Doug. All right, so we got a bunch of stuff. Uh, I mean, some of this is just, you know, 12 hours old to maybe three days old until. So let's start with the uh, the latest boogeyman rumors of, about Russia. And I don't mean a county in Ireland. Um, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Turner's statement on serious national security threat. So Washington, D.C., House Permanent. Select Committee on Intelligence Chairman Mike Turner of Ohio issued the following statement just a few days ago or yesterday or whatever, whenever it is that you guys see this. Uh, today, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence has made available to all members of Congress information concerning a serious national security threat. I am requesting that President Biden declassify all information relating to this threat 
so that Congress, the administration, and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this threat. Kind of cryptic, really vague. Then we have a tweet from Edward Snowden. Turns out the urgent national security space panic memo was in reality a clumsy attempt by the House Intelligence Committee to swing tomorrow's vote to A, prohibit spying on Americans without a warrant, and B, to ban the government's purchase of your private data for surveillance. They've been doing this for years, guys. Yes. And so here's a a real uh, funny little remark that was underneath Edward Snowden's tweet from Mark Sater. Jared Moskowitz, emerging from the skiff, says, it's definitely not about aliens, and it confirms there is no intelligent life in Congress. So there you have it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so oh, that was worth the price of admission right there that was an awesome comment okay oh so, my gosh mo- moving on we got you know we i gotta got say something i gotta to say something i want to say something in response to that comment about no intelligent life in congress i've gotten a lot of platitudes i mean nice compliments i did a piece on rumble and, and um <laughs> i referred to the congressional whorehouse because I was talking about all the side benefits they give themselves. I mean, we all see it the same way. They all got to go. And I want to interject this. Toss them all. Uh, and someone actually got the website, tossthemall.net. And I'm waiting for her to contact me again, because uh, we want to get rid of the Rhino uh, Republicans in the primary. And uh, listen, I don't know that a political solution is possible, but I'm certainly willing to try. But we can't win with the people we have in Congress. There might be 20 of them in Congress, House and Senate together, that have uh, earned the right to return. So I just wanted to you say that. Any, in any Democrats to have? Uh, the Democrats have none. <laughs> well, I mean, you if, you, if you are a Democrat, you should just wear a sign on your forehead that says I'm a human rectum. Okay, next, Doug, uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so here's a little bit of intel according to the uh, not so well known part of the internet. Um, I, I have some people within the intelligence areas who still send me some stuff that is extraordinarily uh, reliable. But, you know, let's take this for what it is. Um, for starters, I'll say that when I saw this whole serious national security threat thing happen, um, I knew immediately it had something to do with Russia. And it's funny because everything right now is turning to be about Russia and funneling money to Ukraine, uh, which is really laundering money to Ukraine. So we're not surprised by what's happening. But let's read this. Um, so it says, OK, maybe there is something more interesting and the whole Russian Death Star story after all. So to clarify. I still think mainly this is simply a ploy to get Congress to give the money and expand U.S. militarization of space in the process. So, by the way, what was just given to Ukraine was $96 billion. $96 billion. And How, how much Congress of that went to our veterans? Admitted that, any of them go to our veterans? Any money for our veterans? Well, well no. I mean, no. It, our taxes about, help pay for that. How about our so. homeless? Anybody? And any of that money yeah. go for you know, exactly. You get where I'm going with that. But anyway... Doug, that's a shocking figure. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but $96 billion for a criminal Nazi-run machine by a bunch of perverts that steal and embezzle money and provided weapons to Hamas to attack the Israelis on October 7th with our weapons. I've established well, that what, in my own research. Go ahead. From what, from what I'm counting so far, 
Um, and I, you know, I may have actually missed some money here and there, but we're at about $246 billion that we've given to Ukraine. I know. And that's, that's with tangible assets, weapons, and then also money. All right. So, um, let's look at what this guy was saying. All right. Um, American press quoting sources states that the threat is not in orbit and that number two, the threat is not about nuclear weapons. And so what they go on to say is that there's an interesting vector because there was, uh, there was a news of Sino-Russia cooperation in this regard to what's going on out in space. So if Russian scientists got funding from Emperor Xi Ping for the project that they've been studying for decades, and this is most likely what they're talking about. And what they go on to say is that it it's it's all becoming interesting to the extent that it's uh, it's becoming faster within its own nature of this technology. Um, and they're claiming that it's a real revolution, a real step forward in materials. And uh, they want to say, and I don't mean the overrated SpaceX crap, but we would be talking about viable interplanetary travel, space mining, and orbital maneuvers closer to what we see in science fiction mm-hmm. than current methods, which is a huge danger for the American military, as well as its global position. So what this person is going to say, more or less, and I've, I've heard a few other things like this so far, Dave, that China and Russia are looking at doing off-world exoplanetary Mm-hmm. Uh, travel, investigation, or exploration, and also mining, mining of uh, meteoroids, asteroids, mining of the moon, and possibly trying to mine either Mars or reach another planet. Um, so, you know, if that's what the uh, the real threat is all about, then what is the real threat to the United States? I mean, it's if this is not, of course, anything going up into space is military. Everything going into space, it can and will be used by the military. Um, but if this is about exploration and also about mining, and that's what they consider to be, you know, the scariest thing ever, well, then it means that we're once again losing control of certain uh, elements of economies, which is what the United States has been a real big part of over the last several decades is controlling the world GDP. So take a shot at it. What do you think this is about? I do think it's pretty straightforward. I do think it's about the mining, but I will also say too, it's about establishing military dominance outside the reach of earth defenses. In other words, could you lob nukes to earth or some other new weapon, a plasma weapon, for example? Yeah, you could. So I think it's a dual purpose. (laughs) Do you think we really have the ability to reach these other planets yet? Yes. Um, I know that uh, quantum physics applied to space travel uh, has definitely been done in laboratories with teleportation experiments, for example. That's a fact. In fact, that's 15, 16 years old, uh, Leipzig, Germany. That was publicly uh, put out there. So, yes, I do. Um, How far it's gone? Your guess is as good as mine. I'm sure if we wanted to know, we'd go to MIT and DARPA, and we'd have a pretty good idea. Uh, well, but, but I'll tell you this. We have so much 
you know, we think we're these nations at war with each other, but we share so much technology and information with the various intelligence agencies. I don't. I I, I suspect Russia and China are closely on a par with us in this area. Well, let me ask. Let me interject something. Let me ask you this: What about all the stuff that came out from Dr. Stephen Greer and the the different recreated, back created, back engineered uh, um, spacecraft like the stuff that Bob Lazar was working on? Could that be what they're talking about? Because as I'm as I'm reading this, you know, right now our ability to get into space is load a bunch of fuel into rockets and hopefully not kill everybody on the way up. And then, you know, once you get into space, you dock with the ISS or you go wherever you go up into space, but you're limited by fuel and by weight and that, that type of uh, load capacity where if we're using these other forms and methods – anti-gravity and and look i'm not a physicist so i don't even uh fake the funk on trying to explain the stuff but this other stuff that they're using the the back engineered ufo um could that be potentially what we're so afraid about leave the backwards engineering out uh, well, let me address this. I'll just say this briefly without launching into a diatribe. Um, I don't believe in the ETs. I believe they're fallen angels. This has become a more common belief among Christians and even among scientists um, that I talk to. So I don't buy that. I think it's an imitation, and I think there is technology transfer, trying to transfer technology to humans to control other humans and help with the dominance over the planet without going into great detail. So that's my position on that. But to answer your question, I, I think there's a third comp- component here. Um, economic for mining, military for control, but also I too, there's got to be a surveillance factor that precedes the military. And I think there's a surveillance aspect to this as well, too. Um, so, boy, you're asking a loaded question here, though. What do you think it is? I mean... Yeah, I'm kind of shooting in the dark. What do you think? Well, you know, I don't tend to believe everything that I'm told. I'm highly skeptical. Uh, skeptical. That's a word. I'm highly skeptical. Um, I say at this rate, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, this is how Doug yeah. sleeps at night. Are, are aliens real? Sure. Mm-hmm. Is Loch Ness real? Of course it is. So are mermaids and werewolves, and so are vampires, and so are Democrats who believe they're Christians. And Joe Biden's cognitive abilities. We can go okay, ahead. I agree. Yep, yep. Men can be women. Women can be men. Cats and dogs, you know, living with each other, like they say in Ghostbusters. Whatever you want to say, man. Um, I think we are, we have the ability to hide certain types of technology from the public I think that the elite from around the world all use the same type of technology because it's one great big club. You're just not in it. And uh, I believe that they prey upon uh, the weakened status of countries that are at the whims of these various kinds of industrial complexes. And they don't share what they have with other people. That's what Tesla was killed over. 
you think he was you know, killed? You think he was killed? I absolutely believe he was killed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Tesla Tesla solved uh, a problem. He, he solved. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time the common sense show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow for example they've got half off my pillow bed sheets more than half off their slippers their sandals their mattresses their topper covers women's lingerie now, they have extremely great products as you all know Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. The the free problem, and that's why I was killed for it. Remember the guy that we shared uh, information about, the Buffalo uh, shooter? He killed the security guard who had a patent for running uh, a vehicle engine off of water. Yeah. Well, this isn't the first time we've heard this. You know, the last guy back in the 80s, I think, who made a vehicle run off of water. Well, he was killed right at, you know, he, he told his brother, I was just poisoned and then poop drops over dead after meeting with two, you know, uh, people, I think, from like Sweden or Switzerland or something. 
yeah, we want to buy your invention. And then, bam, right after they all toast um, each other at the little restaurant, he, he falls over dead. Um, it's not the first time we've heard stuff like this. And, uh, you, you know, I don't, I don't care about people's opinions of what they think aliens are and what aliens aren't. I think it's completely okay to say there's a bunch of stuff we don't get that we don't understand that the elite do understand, and they will use that against us one way or the other. And, you know, don't be shocked. Don't be fooled. There's stuff out there that you just haven't experienced yet in your life. But yet, you know, millions upon millions of people every year, uh, they they see strange lights in the sky. People are abducted. This is a real phenomena. Mm -hmm. People see Bigfoot. That's a real phenomena. A giant blurry creature out in the middle of the woods. What we find. Um, So, you know, I think there's things out there we can't explain. But I think the underlying threat out there is that you have a diabolical um, uh, group of people who want to control the world, depopulate the world, and they want their technology for them and let us have the crap technology. So, yeah, I, think you're, I, think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, you know, let, let me address that because you're right on the money with this. Uh, my dad and I had this discussion the bifurcation of science. When we came out of World War II uh, with Tesla technology, and then, of course, we had the Nazi scientists and this and that, and got into quantum physics, Doug, what what I talked to my dad about, who was involved in that whole business, was this, is that we have three-dimensional Newtonian physics, standard classic physics. Then there's the quantum model with multiple dimensions, like Mishokaku, 26 dimensions, super string theory, and so forth. So science bifurcated after World War II, and they tried to keep the quantum model out of the mainstream, which is why I think they stole Tesla's work, the FBI did, and kept it sequestered and still do to this day. They they don't want us to know what that is. It's exotic technology where we could be living like kings and queens, and it's withheld from us. Uh, It's much like the Hunger Games where Capital City and they had all that advanced technology and the way the people lived and then you had the people in the outlying districts that lived like garbage uh it's very analogous to that so i think that science bifurcated and there's what darpa knows what the cia knows and various intelligence agencies never to filter down to regular people Uh, i'll give you an example too they call they call this cultural lag i'll give you the example here uh, microwaves were used in World War II. Tesla experiments filled up. Experiment was microwave experiment in part. Microwave ovens didn't come out until the 70s. The Internet was developed in the 60s as alternative communication in case of nuclear attack. We didn't get the Internet until the mid to late 90s. So there's always this cultural lag with technology. But there's some technology that I think is so exotic that we're never going to see it unless we force it to come out. Well, let me add to that. Post-World War II, um, you have pre-World War II, uh, well, let's say uh, 1945 under, you have all these giant leap forwards and sciences and and, and uh, technology booming. And then when the Nazis, after Operation Dustpan and then Operation Paperclip, we get the Nazis over here. So we recruit them, then we find them and take them and bring them over here. Um, you know, everything turned 
for the most advanced equipment to learning more about how to control the human mind. I agree with that. Totally agree with that. So that aspect number one away, it got kind of not put on the on the back burner, but put in another area where people can uh the world wide web. More people worked on MK Ultra, more people worked on TVs and radios and entertainment, and then Hollywood uh really blew this out of the park. And now it's all about bread and circus and controlling the fans at the Coliseum. Yet the technology's still there. But for us, it's social media. It's your movies. It's your entertainment. And then it's it's your you're always pissed off mad about this or that. And you're always writing about this or that. You're voting based off of your emotions for this and that. And the elites, why they stay elite is because they keep the technology to themselves. And the technology that they give us is for control. Monitoring and control. So that's my two cents. No, I, I totally agree. But I'll give you another. Here, let's, one uh, let's, I'll give you another aspect to this. Uh, you know, I'm friends with a guy who is a signatory to the Air Force owning the weather 2025. And um, these are earthquake weapons, which some people still don't believe they're real. They are. It's using HARP technology. They're absolutely real. And, and uh, of course, weather modification in which Nick Begich, the great Nick Begich, I love Nick, he published a great book, Angels Don't Play This Harp, H-A-A-R-P. And in the, I believe it was 97 when he published, if I'm not mistaken, he had all the patents for weather modification. Their patents, like Eastman Kodak and all, the, all these uh, high-tech firms, where it had Lockheed Martin, and he had all the patents there and said, this is what they do. So do you think they're modifying the weather was what he said? And I would say absolutely positively there are weather wars. In fact, the U.N. has weather war treaties. Yet the average person on the street in America would look at you cross-eyed if you talked about weather wars. Uh, And and it's just and, and I'm not making fun of anybody. If you haven't heard of it in the audience. okay, well, welcome to the show. We're trying to bring this to your attention. But this is old information. In fact, let me let me give a prop here for Nick's. Well, book. I mean, if you if you need verification, to talk to your local meteorologist. Oh yeah. If you know. need verification, talk they to know. your local meteorologist. They'll they'll tell you all about it. They know. But if you go to earthpulsepress.com or just look up Nick Baggage, B-E-G-I-C-H, and I don't get anything for this, you can go and order his book, Angels Don't Play This Harp, H A R P. And it has all these patents, and you'll look at the year, and you'll go, oh, my gosh. And when you do Air Force Owning the Weather 2025, I published that on my website oh, probably 10, 12 years ago. And those patents were in the 90s as well, too. So, yeah, what we can do um, with weaponization, control of the immediate environment is way beyond. Now, let me ask you a question. If we're good enough to change the weather, do you really believe that climate change, if it was real, would be outside our control. Of course it wouldn't. Well, I mean, they make it rain in parts of the Sahara Desert. There you go. You know, I mean, and we've had really strange weather patterns lately. It, it, it uh, deep layers of snow. So, I mean, there's, you know, flooding all around the world. 
Um, here in the U.S., I, I can only speak, speak of the great state of Texas, but you know our our winter got cut really short, which is really bad for farmers and crop growing seasons. So these things will compound eventually, and you know the less time crops have to germinate, and the less hard freezes that happen that kill very um, harmful insects that you know annually killed. Um, it's going to affect the crops, and then it'll affect everybody. Maybe that's what. Yeah, I'm writing myself. Oh, a note. be eating uh, bugs. But uh, here, let's. Uh, I'm writing myself a let's note move on this. this next. You're, you're cutting out just a little bit here. I'm not really sure why. Um, it's not real noticeable, but it's somewhat noticeable. I don't know if you can boost your internet a little bit, but um, I've made myself a note here about what you're talking about. Um, te- you know, Doug, let me point to one other thing before we go on to the next topic. As we talk about exotic technology, uh, it, people don't really understand the Philadelphia experiment either. And I think I've got a fairly good handle on it because I've really studied it. I've talked to people and I know it was something that the German scientists commented on to people that worked with them after they were captured. And the Philadelphia experiment was designed to be a ship that could move in space and move in time and a shell or a torpedo fired at it or a bomb dropped on it, it could avoid the dangerous element by just displacing time and space. And uh, this now it didn't work real well because some of the men, when they rematerialized the ship, uh, they they rematerialized inside of bulkheads and it was absolutely horrific the way some of these men died. Uh, and the stories are just too numerous for it not to be true. But the technology is fantastic. If they can displace time and space, and going back to what you said about the Chinese and the Russians wanting to mine the moon and Mars, this is the future of space travel. This kind of technology yes. is the future of space travel. It's not uh, propulsion engines with hydrogen fuel. I mean, that that technology is, what, 60, 70 years old? No, that's, that's then. There's a whole new game being well, played now. Yeah, we're, we're flying the same 100-year-old planes. Very few things for the civilian in airline has changed. But yet, apparently, we have zero-point energy as well. Um, that is just, you know, it's barely ever talked about because very little of it's ever. Yeah. Step in technology. Is it portals? Is it the Large Hadron Collider and what they're working at in Geneva, Switzerland? Yes. Yes, it is. That's a, that's about time displacement. But there's also another element to it here, and some might wrinkle their nose up to this. But I'm convinced after looking at this and the satanic symbols around CERN uh, and the uh, obsession with the occult that they have around CERN, it's kind of like the old Nazi Ouija boards where they channeled technology. Um, I believe they're trying to, to uh, summon uh, demonic spirits in from other dimensions, and it, it, you know, and that's kind of a show unto itself. And it's not something that I've talked a lot about because I don't think a lot of people are ready to hear this yet. But I do believe CERN is about channeling spirits, and also too, it's about time space travel. Um, if you look at it, when we, if you look at the old Stargate show, Stargate SG One, you step into a Stargate and you go to a similar Stargate. Uh, light years away, and you rematerialize right there, and you walk out. 
uh, that's about time-space displacement. It's kind of like pulling up the rug in a room and you end up on the other side of the room. And that's the way the technology has been described to me. That technology is real, Doug. And I'm going to just, we talked about this this afternoon. Leipzig, Germany, 2008, uh, teleportation. This is public information, folks, mainstream media. A device was uh, teleported along a long hallway corridor in a scientific building. And they took this inanimate object and they teleported it. And it was interesting. Uh, The object arrived and materialized. But the object also was in the original location for a moment. We call that bilocation. It was in two places at once, and then the origination uh, object disappeared. And what we can do is when you teleport like that, you can displace time and space. Now, what we don't know is are we teleporting humans? Are we? Uh, I think we can teleport ships. Can you teleport ships and protect the humans within the ship? Six one half another is another, but I'll tell you what, I think Bob Lazar was working on this. I think he was exactly working well, there's, on this. There's two, there's two parts of the story. One part is that you have the type of technological information that was passed on by people that we don't know about anymore. So if Stargates were real, the thesis of, of Stargate was that the Stargates were made by another civilization, another form of civilization, and we had to discover it because we can't build a Stargate, and we sure enough couldn't build a Stargate and bring ourselves to some other point around the universe and build another Stargate to go back and forth because we didn't have that technology. So if that technology exists, which, I mean, the Hopi Indians say it did, many other cultures say it did, Um, you know, then would people use it? Sure. I think so. But I think there's an element of spiritualism that goes into this and occultism. There are things we are told not to dabble in now, uh, uh, friends of the show, friends of ours. And, you know, the thing about what LA will tell you is that with the yogis and the Eastern religions, they focus real big on out of body experience, out of body Mm -hmm. traveling and you know, at the SRI, and then you have Operate Real Flame, Open State, so on and so forth, that the U.S. military, CIA, DIA, and all these other entities were working on was they were trying to get this type of travel down with spiritual aspects. So, you know, the out-of-body experience, but you can't manipulate and move physical objects, but you could move the spiritual man. Um, and once again, these are things you should not dabble with. When you open up certain doors, certain things will walk back into your life. What do you mean? Da- what are you talking um, about? So, Doug, you know, what do you mean by dabble? I mean, uh, what should be prohibited? What should be prohibited from looking into is what I'm asking. So when. You know, it's in. We could go back and forth in this. I think you and I have actually gone back and forth in this before. Um, I, I believe the way the Bible views um, the out of body experience and purposely going into an out of body experience um, for means of travel and communication, you're not supposed to do that because, for one thing. We're flesh and blood, and we are not on the same level as these other spiritual entities like 
the demonic presence and the fallen angels and so on and so forth. Um, you're not supposed to dabble with that. A lot of times it, it almost goes hand in hand with necromancy, um, communicating because all these people, they talk about their spiritual guide, right? Helena Bolotsky. She had her spiritual guide that led her into all of her occultism. And she was not exactly a Christian saved woman by the blood of Christ. No, I agree. Um, and a lot of things that, that the Germans did, Doug is and with Doug, the Germans. Doug, you're cutting out a little bit. Um, can you hear me? Okay, Doug, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, because yeah, we just we lost you there for about ten seconds. Uh, let Let me interject this just for a second. I agree with you, but I don't think we can paint a broad brush on all. Um, shall we say, psychic experiences, for lack of a better term. And and here's what I mean by this. Um, in the quantum model, all, all dimensions are frequency-oriented. We know that's definitely true in the three dimensions. But when you get to fourth and fifth dimension, you're now into time and space. And if your mind on a frequency level, and our brains are more quantum model, more like a quantum computer than a regular computer, if you could get into the frequency vibration of the fifth dimension, you could see forwards in time and you could see in other locations because everything would happen on a single strand. And that's the theory from quantum physics. And I do think a lot of psychic experiences that really can't be explained by other than just random chance uh, fits this model pretty well. And uh, I go back to the Bible. This is why I don't paint all these experiences with a broad brush. I do agree we need to avoid Ouija boards and tarot cards and so forth. I totally agree with that. That's totally satanic. But Jesus walked on water. Okay, he turned stone into bread, and he turned water into wine. And he said, this I do, and you, meaning the people that were there, can do more. It's about faith, realizing your potential, and, and and Jesus set the model, I believe, for quantum physics, the science of quantum physics, and the ability to transcend your three-dimensional reality into other dimensions that people like Michio Kaku talk about. And so I don't think you can paint all of it with a broad brush. Um, I, I think it's also in your intent and in how you use it. Now, if you're summoning evil spirits uh, through Ouija boards like the Nazis did when they tried to get technology and uh, pre-World War II, uh, and I know this happened because I related this to my father. This is how they got their information, a lot of it. And um, I I think that is inherently evil, and it should be avoided. So do you you agree with me? I I don't think it's all exactly the same. I think we could go to the Bible for proof of that. It is. What Christ intended for us to do was in faith with him. The fish and the bread story, right? Feeding mm-hmm. the, the thousands. Well, that was all done based off of faith in God and letting God do that. Instead, man, when you listen to the dissertations of these people who do this, they talk about meeting this a being of pure light, right? I don't believe the beings of pure light that they're meeting are angelic beings. If they are, it's the other angelic beings. 
That's that's where I come from on that. The fallen angels. I listen. But I do think people uh, could do I do think people can do some very crazy stuff with natural abilities. Yeah. There are people I'll give you an example and I've seen this firsthand. Some of the Eastern yogis, and I'm talking about the religious yogis like from India and so forth. Um, they've done lab experiments on them, and I've happened to see some of these, and they can uh, block pain to an unbelievable degree to where, you know, I've seen straight edge put through someone's tongue. They don't respond. Uh, They put needles into them. They don't respond. They can lay on a bed of needles. They can walk on needles. They can walk on fire, and their feet don't burn. Um. That is not so much the psychic realm, I think, as strictly control over your autonomic nervous system and your responses to stimuli. But it does speak to an extraordinary control that people don't have. Uh, But also, too, the Bible's very clear about visions and visions from God. And that is not three-dimensional reality. That's that's in the quantum model. Because what what you know is what you can see, and what you can hear and experience with your five senses. What we see, um, I think, with like the burning bush, or you see with words of knowledge that are given to people, extraordinary strength, David slays Goliath uh, with a slingshot and it cuts his head off. I think when you look at this, Doug, you're now looking at extraordinary ability that comes from the Almighty. And that's not in our three-dimensional science. Well, Elijah... Elijah outran Ahab, and Elijah was easily in his probably 90s, maybe 100 years old, um, very, very old. And he outran uh, Ahab, who was on a chariot with a a team of horses. Um, So, yeah, there is capabilities that can be given to you by the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. but there's other spirits out there that can give you abilities. So, you know, for people who who dabble in that, you got to be careful with what you're doing. Um, and, and I go right there along with L.A. Marzulli. What the Eastern religions were doing is they're tapping into uh, resources of power that are not coming from God. Their extra abilities are extraordinary. Um, some of them may even look like miracles. But you got to be careful when you're it's giving you power and not Jesus. So I agree. But yeah, at I agree. The same time, you need, you I've, need also to... seen, I've also seen studies. I've also seen studies from the CIA and from others where they were studying children. Uh, we've talked about this. The the Chinese were studying uh, children who had these extra capabilities. And the one that I saw was the still shots, which is still just fascinating to, to you know, just to read about is how a child reached into a glass jar and they took pictures of the child's hand reaching into a glass jar, steel shots, and grabbing an object and pulling it out of that jar. Um, I can't explain it. I could probably try to um, explain it, you know, in, in multiple different ways, and people will take that in multiple different ways. But people are able, you know, to do things that are unexplainable, and it's not always by their own, you know, fruition. But you and I have talked about ESP, um, I, I think ESP to a certain level um, is uh, it's an extrasensory um, 
type of trait that some people have and some people don't. Mm -hmm. Some people are very sensitive to things. They can see things happening. Uh, Sometimes we call this, you know, different kinds of visions, but some people can actually predict certain things. Um, And some people uh, have these really extraordinary capabilities that are, like I said, just they're difficult to explain. And some of these people may have nothing to do at all with any type of religious aspect and still have the ability to do it and can't explain it themselves either. I would add that to what you're saying, John in the book of Revelation, we don't need to go any further than that to illustrate what we're talking about. Uh, He prophesies the end days, um, the rise of Israel and so forth is in Revelation. And so, I mean, you go right down, we're fulfilling prophecy. Now, I'm not saying... The tribulation starting, a lot of people think it's starting now, and it'll culminate in seven years. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But what I do know is this, is that a lot of what we're living through right now is foretold in the Bible, uh, in the book of Revelation. And that speaks to the power that we're talking about here. Um, There are people that have done these experiments, and I got to participate in them as an undergrad. They'll recruit undergrad psychology students. Oh, you can go to extra credit or get paid a certain amount of money. And you have to go and observe an experiment. And some of the things I watched were this. Uh, you'd shuffle the deck after each each turn, and you'd have the top card, and someone would try to predict what the card is. Now, you have a 1 in 52 chance of being correct. So basically just under 2%. And what they found is about 2% of the population can predict significantly at least one standard deviation above which you would say it to, and you might get to four. And then they did this, they did uh, what they call psychokinesis experiments, which is mind over body, mind manipulating the physical environment. And they did, they started with things um, like slot machines. And so slot machines are programmed to be absolutely regular, and they pay off on a frequency where the house wins more money than the person, but they pay just enough to keep you going. And so they have pre-programmed what they do. And then some people violate the program. In other words, let's say they're supposed to win every fifth poll on the slot machine. It'll come up three of something. But some people will get two out of five, three out of five consistently. And again, it's about 1.8% or almost 2% of the population can do this. And we have firm studies. Uh, Princeton Engineering, and I should probably talk about this for a second, Doug, because this is really relevant. There was at uh, North Carolina State University, there was a researcher, a marine biologist named Joanne Burkholder, and she was studying killfish, which is like an offshoot of piranha, and they're highly aggressive. And they noticed that when the light in the outer room outside the laboratory was on, the room was dark, the killfish would see its reflection and smash its face into the aquarium. So they set up an experiment to see if the killfish would actually injure itself in a desire to fulfill its aggressive tendencies. But that's not what they found in the experiment. They put on a computer to turn on a light on and off on a random basis where the fish couldn't get conditioned to how when this light would come on. But the light started to come on more frequently than what it was programmed to do. So they thought they had a computer error. So they changed the computer. Then they had to change the software. And they did it again, and she just threw her hands up. And this led to some of the best experiments in what we're talking about. Joanne was on the phone with a Harvard engineer. No, it was a Princeton engineer. And she was saying, gee, I wondered if the fish were controlling the computer. And she was laughing. Well, engineers aren't necessarily known for their sense of humor, you know, or their pocket protectors. And he turned this, uh, these guys turned it into an experiment, a 30-year experiment 
where they tested these abilities over 30 years. And what they found across a broad domain, uh, domain of experiments spanning 30 years in what they called the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research, PAIR for short, is that they found that about 2% of the population uh, has extra abilities beyond the five senses. In fact, here's one other thing they found. This was really interesting. They set up measuring posts around the world. It'd be like uh, 50 to 100 at any given time. And people would volunteer to go in and they do a baseline of their blood pressure, their CO2 and so forth. And they would get a standard baseline for what their like blood pressure would be. Say maybe like 120 over 80, okay, for example. Well, what they found was that people seem to inherently excite themselves in the face of impending danger four hours down the road. And this is a really interesting formula. Four hours from now, I might be able to sense there's danger, but I can't define the danger. I don't know what it is, but my body's reacting like I'm in fight or flight without any real reason to know why we were. So in these aggregate of experiments that they would do around the planet, they would get an average blood pressure respiration, and they spiked before major world events. The number two event that they had the spike on was the 2004 Malaysia tsunami in which 250,000 people were killed. The number one event that they found the most, the highest rise and spike in the most people in, in their listening posts was 9-11. Isn't that interesting? 30 years of those experiments. Yeah, I know. No, they've done the same type of experiments with animals too yeah exactly um, animals yep. being able to sense uh, earthquakes tsunamis storms fires plagues um it, it it's it's interesting it's hard to explain um and science isn't done studying but let's move on to something further if we're going to talk about this because okay. we're at 45 minutes right now um super soldiers all right <laughs> everybody's one of everybody's favorite topics that they love to talk about yeah China has been experimenting on their own troops to shift the human genome to human 2.0. Uh, it's not so much what they're worried about with super speed and super strength. The main thing that they're working on currently is the ability to have more cognitive processing per soldier. So what that means is I can react faster than the average man, sometimes by factors of two or three times faster. Would that change quite a bit in a battlefield? Yes, it would, mm -hmm. because it would change quite a bit in a boxing match. I mean, if you can see multiple strikes coming and you know the angles before it ever happens, well, now the, you know, the surprise is no longer on me. It's on you because I'm already reacting way before you're even deciding what you're going to do. Now, a skilled elite fighter can see the body positions and the maneuvering of the head, the shoulders, the hips, the hands, and they can kind of judge things. But in, in a battlefield, if you can literally move your mind two to three times faster than your opponent, then you can outthink and outpace them. So we don't have to worry then about super speed and super strength and a super healing factor because that's not the point. The point isn't to make super soldiers super durable. That's what armor is for, and that's what drugs are for because that's the simple.
simplest and cheapest way to make men more durable. Um, what they really want is the ability to make that fight uh, end faster. That's really what it, what it's all about, is to end the fight quicker so that you can preserve more troops. But I don't think China could give a damn how many people they lose in a fight, but if they lose less amount of men in a fight, went toe-to-toe with Russia. If China went toe-to-toe with Russia, Russia has them beat on many different levels. Um, they've, they've got, a, I, I would say, a more superior fighting prowess, more experience at fighting, and probably better weaponry at fighting, um, and, and probably much better tactics. But sometimes that can be trumped by having that cognitive function work much better. The Nazis did a similar test with this, with methamphetamines. There's a really good uh, documentary. I'm trying to recall it. I think it's called uh, Nazis on Meth. It's something stupid like that. You guys never heard of it. No. Oh yeah. So they would feed their men methamphetamine. Yeah, I know that. And it and it made them crazy. It made them durable. I mean, they're smoking ice. You know, PCP meth. And if has anyone ever fought anyone on meth? It's fun. (laughs) I mean, it's super fun to fight dudes on meth. You got to tase them a couple times in order for them to actually follow commands. Um, And you know, sometimes a, a skinny crackhead can take three or four officers to try and hold down. Well, I mean, put that on a battlefield. Now you're rushing towards the enemy, and I have this in my head, a superhuman uh, aspect of myself. Even if I'm not moving at that speed, my cognitive function is so much higher. And if you can train someone how to actually fight and use strategy and tactics while on methamphetamine like they did with the SS... Because the Schutzstaffel that was part of the Wehrmacht, the actual military side of the SS, this is what they were giving to the troops. The problem was is that they were giving them small amounts, well, and then they got addicted to it. And so they had to continuously up the dosage. And so these guys are, are in between battles or having manic breakdowns. Their literally minds are coming apart because they're addicted on meth. If you can take out that addiction, and have the performance value without the addiction, you do have quite the uh, the added benefit on a battlefield. I no, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, but you're right; the uh, increased dosage that was needed to maintain the same response became problematic for the Germans to supply. And also, too, when you constantly stay on meth, you get into a manic state, and real psychotic behavior starts to take over. So you know, you you want like a PCP, for example, okay, you might want your football players to be really hyped up like they're on meth or PCP, but they would lose all sense of discipline. And that was the problem that they had with that, too, because the fighting unit stopped being cohesive, and it was individuals just going nuts and fighting, and they found out it was almost more counterproductive not to do it than to do it. All right, and I, and I, But I hear what you're saying. I'll tell you this, though. If you were involved in a 48-hour siege and you had to fight for prolonged periods with limited sleep, meth would be the way to go for troops on in the short term before addictive properties could take over. Well, the United States, they did a similar experiment all the way up until Desert Storm and even in the Iraq-Afghanistan wars. They may be doing it now still, where you had certain units were being given amphetamines, not methamphetamines, but amphetamines, to help you stay awake longer 
and to be more resistant to, you know, you know, just the sluggishness of, of this type of warfare, city fighting. Um, and, you know, the problem was guys were dehydrated, the, their calories were depleted, they're on their feet all the time. And, uh, you know, doing house to house moving, it's burning a lot of calories, burn a lot of fuel, you get tired real quick. So, you know, amphetamines were helping guys stay up for two to three days. The problem is, and I've been up for three days, you start to lose your mind on that third day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing stuff. We had guys hallucinating. It scared the hell out of you when some guy. So I'll give you a quick story. We've been up for about three days. We're at our FOB, FOB Omar. This is in northern Fallujah. And I remember one of my senior Marines, he was on post. Um, and I'm I'm coming now to relieve him on post. Our squads are swapping on post, uh, which if people don't know what I'm talking about. You have a post, which is, you know, it's your defensive area around your little obey an old morgue that was taken over not the greatest place um but here we are you know going to relieve them on post and our guys have been up for way too long and i just remember my 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 uh, my buddy goes hey man uh not to alarm you but something with green glowing eyes just ran into the fob um your post now <laughs> and so me and me and my buddy who were taking over the post were like Oh, great. Now we got a green-eyed monster running around somewhere inside the base. Well, it's because the dude was hallucinating for so long that he he was seeing stuff. Um, Like I said, if you can find a way around that without the addiction and you can boost cognitive function, you can boost that mental durability, it it is definitely something that you would be seeing on the battlefield as a the next-level game-changer. You know, we're, we're so advanced on radio communication, satellite communication, weaponry, but the human body element has not changed. It's still a bunch of teenagers and guys in their twenties and thirties out there fighting. We still get tired. We get irritable and, uh, you know, mistakes happen. You take out that element and, and you, and you, you put inside a hive mind mentality where, and this is another thing that I know that the Chinese were working on. They were actually trying to find people who could do, uh, uh, telepathy. So they were trying to find guys who could do, you know, mind to mind communication, whether that's real or not, that's debatable, but they were hardcore looking for this as that next edge in combat effectiveness. And so are we, we absolutely had it. John McMonagle. I mean, he, he's a, he's a perfect example of what someone could potentially do. He's the guy that found the, the, uh, what is that class submarine? The Typhoon class submarine yeah. that was up in and uh, um, was it Antarctica? Yeah, we well, were talking about we were talking about remote viewing that was done by the yeah. DIA and the CIA. Doug, we're just about out of time for this segment, folks. We're going to continue this, but unfortunately, you know, we're limited by the clock, and we've decided ahead of time we were going to divide this into two parts. Doug has the American Vindicta show, and it's. Uh, everywhere and we'll tell you more about it in part two and uh, um back on youtube yeah that's one of us that's back on youtube (laughs) (laughs) i'm a youtube orphan (laughs) anyway catch me over on rumble and our podcast services we're on all the major podcasts hey stay tuned we're going to come back with a part two on this so you either hear this back to back or you'll hear it the following day but i think you gotta admit this is kind of interesting stuff 
and a little outside the geopolitics, and it's kind of fun to do this. Anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you back here in our next episode. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.